0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Brain Up. This is a podcast where we talk about life from the meaningful to the extreme. So uh, today on the show we have Ollie and Ollie has a very interesting background uh, and it's quite hard to describe. So Ollie, I'll, I'll hand it over to you and you can give us a bit more of an information on to, your extreme lifestyle
1: <laughs> sure um so i think before before i jump into the the health side of the story why don't i say a bit about uh yeah my, my upbringing because it you know i later realized that that would play a, a massive role in, in how i rehabilitated myself later on but but yeah i live i live almost half my life in uh in in asia so i think zero to the age of eight i was in Japan. Um, but even when we did move to the UK, um, we spent, you know, be, because the the holidays in, in the UK are so long, we often ended up spending time in Southeast Asia, primarily Malaysia or Indonesia. Um, so my my earliest childhood memories are all all pretty much in Asia, uh, and you know, some some of my best memories, regardless of uh, you know my age, I, I I think of think of that part of the world, and uh, and actually probably most interestingly uh was was my schooling so my my first school i ever went to was a was a zen monastery in japan so i spent I, I think it was three three years there um which was amazing i mean i I didn't live there so i i would come i'd come home at the end of the day um but i was the only only Westerner they've ever had to this day they've nev- never had a another western dude come i mean i i am yeah. part chinese and uh a totally different approach to life, um, which I found, yeah, really, really, really helpful later on. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I ended up moving to the UK, um, had a very uh, traditional British, British education. You know, I went to, went to boarding school and then um, studied at Oxford and, and now I'm graduated. Um, but again, now I get to spend quite a lot of time yeah, in Asia. And b- because I studied Russian, um, spent a lot of time in russian-speaking countries including Central Asia which I feel particularly close to but uh, yeah so it, you know travel has always been a super important part of my life um, and for my family as well we've all lived in lots of different places and I think you know as a family it's an important part of our identity to get up and go and uh, move somewhere else if you feel the need um and you know because we'd travel to so many different places obviously a, a big part of travel is also you run into um, Various different problems, including uh, you know tropical illnesses and that kind of thing, and it, it was something that I didn't really think about a lot as a big deal. Um, you know, I uh, the, the ones that sort of pop up are I'd gotten a few parasites in Rwanda, in Nepal, um, in Burma. Um, I had I had a couple of bad spider bites as well, one in Morocco, um, and and also which is kind of related. Uh, re- related to what would happen to me later was um, uh, I always was super allergic to the pollution uh, in, in Japan, but in, in Asia in general, you know, there's terrible air pollution, uh, especially near cities. Um, but I I basically didn't realize that, you know, I'd, I'd collected a sort of critical mass of these, um, you know, smaller issues, uh, you know, along with, uh, you know, having a, a genetic disposition for um, inflammatory uh, autoimmune diseases um, so this this was queuing me up well um for what would happen to me later. Um, pro- probably the one that sticks out the most is uh, I went on a trekking trip to Nepal and got four uh, found out later it was four parasites I'd collected. Um, but i I was trekking somewhere super remote um, and became so dehydrated from you know awful vomiting. That uh, I was six days away from a motorable road, so I had to get a heli- Most embarrassing experience. I had had to get a helicopter to come and um, rescue rescue us. And I found out later that I was very close to kidney failure from dehydration. Oh uh, my God! But uh, yeah, so I lost 15 kilos and like all this crazy stuff. So uh, anyway, I'm I'm definitely ranting. But um, that's cool.
0: This is really interesting. Like thanks. you've lived a pretty uh pretty hectic lifestyle. Is that just because of your family and you've always wanted to travel and things?
1: Yeah, we've, we've all, all of us have always loved traveling. My, my sister studied languages as well. So she lived in, in China for a year. She now lives in LA. Um, and, you know, naturally my family spread out everywhere. So um, we were always, always moving around. Um, and, you know, I think it'll continue to be something I love doing despite, despite all of this. Um, but the, the idea that that could be taken away from me, you know, the, that it would be diff- become increasingly difficult to travel. Um, you know, it was a really scary factor when I did get really ill. Um, but, but now, you know, through the ways that uh, I found to address, um, you know, address the problem, I get to travel all the time, which is super.
0: So what was the lowest point in your, when your health sort of deteriorated to, you know, when you realised you had to do something big because things were so bad.
1: So I guess it was in my gap year. So I just left school and I, I just had some really minor back pain. I thought I'd pulled something in the gym or something like that. um, and you know, I had some MRI scans eventually because the pain didn't go away. They said I had a minor disc herniation or something like that. You know, slip disc. Yeah, yeah. um But yeah, b- basically, it became this like small niggling inju- injury. I, I thought it was just a minor injury, never really went away. And then I went off to university. um And you know, w- with any injury that you have, stress always makes it worse. Uh, people massively underestimate that—that that stress makes yeah, injuries definitely. worse, regardless of how small they are. Um, and yeah, things got worse and worse. So I definitely noticed around exam time in my first year when I had to sit a lot that I was in a lot of pain. My sleep, I'd always noticed that my sleep quality was going down. Um, and it was my second year at university that I realized that something was was really getting wrong because I was probably only getting you know four or five hours quality sleep a night. Um, I was in you know sort of medium level chronic pain and and all the basic stuff just wasn't working and didn't didn't add up. Um, that that you know basically not feeling well not feeling myself um continued for a really long time so you know two two years probably of really bad sleep and increasingly bad pain um and the the lowest point was probably yeah i was living in prague as a part of my year abroad because i studied czech um as a part of my degree um the lowest point where I really knew I needed like a big intervention to 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 fix the problem um, was I was in a restaurant in Prague and I realized I didn't know how I'd gotten there. Um, I couldn't really remember most of that month. Um, I was in a ton of pain and I was I was totally confused. So basically, my body had totally broken down. I hadn't yeah, I hadn't, yeah.
0: that sounds horrendous.
1: Yeah, I hadn't actually slept for about five days. So I figured oh out, which um, was pretty messed up. But yeah, it would, So I, I then got all these diagnoses of. Um, uh you know they, they called it ankylosing spondylitis um some uh, also one of them said i had a uh, functional neurological disorder which is basically when your nerves start sending pain signals in in odd ways which aren't working but they, these are all you know western medical
0: yeah diagnoses yeah did that affect your mental health as well because it sounds horrendous
1: <laughs> well that you know to be honest um that phrase isn't something that i i really buy into you it anymore it's um okay. it's i i just have have definitely experienced you know to in such a depth that um you can't address mental or physical health separate from each other mm. um, interesting and you know I, I totally understand um that you know that people may feel that the health issues that they're addressing leans towards one side of that spectrum um but they're you know especially with the wim hof method which is which is the the line that i went down through. i'll talk about it more um yeah sure uh it, it really made me see that there there isn't a single person out there suffering from uh any type of mental illness that won't have you know physiological aspect to it or that you know addressing the physiological side of it wouldn't help in some way um so it's just a sliding scale of ailments really isn't it yeah hundred percent so you know whatever whatever it is that you face in life your whole human experience is a, is a combination of you know your mind and your body um separating the two can potentially be useful in trying to figure out uh, what it is you're addressing but it certainly can't be the only way
0: mm. and so you've mentioned the Wim Hof method uh and this is your route to recovery um so had you, you, you heard of it
1: before? I think you've heard. Yeah, it.
0: so I've I followed uh Wim Hof on YouTube and I've uh I've used his breathing technique and I've done it like inadvertently done sort of ice, you know, jumping frozen lakes and stuff like it's part of Scandinavian sort of, you know, <laughs> the tourism kind of thing. Um um uh, how did you feel? Oh, it's it's a mad experience like I mean I only did it for like a minute or whatever. The um is a classic you do sauna and then you run into the ice and then mm. you get in and you come out and like you feel like you're gonna die and then all of a second it's like oh it's fine and there's like this weird euphoria
1: <laughs> well yeah you say that i mean like you know that feeling you said you feel like you're gonna die i mean your body is sending you um into full f- you know fight or flight mode which is your body is sending you the most extreme signals it possibly can to tell you there's a threat to be addressed. Get out of this now. Yeah. Uh, so oh. it is, you know, it is very much the feeling of your, your body thinks you're in a life or death situation, um, which is exactly what you try and replicate every time with when you, when you go into the ice. And you use this method
0: to basically cure yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, combined with lots of other things, but I'd, I'd say, you know, if there was one standalone thing that I could only pursue, it would it would be that. Um, so I, I didn't really realize that on my initial year abroad, you know, the first sort of nine months that were spent in Ukraine and um, I started joining these guys who would go ice swimming every weekend um, and I just didn't put two and two together that every time I did it, I wouldn't have any pain for like, you know, 48 hours, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. But you know, essentially, especially for um, inf- inflammatory um, diseases like like arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, especially uh, autoimmune-related stuff. I mean, you know, these are all that are just thrown around. I definitely don't understand them fully. But yeah. you know, <laughs> um, we're, we're pretending you're, you're the biologist, so you'll know better. <laughs> but you know, inflammation is a massive part of the the pain that I was experiencing. So I was getting you know tons of lower back pain. And, um, I was also really, really losing power in my left leg and my, and my arms, you know, they they just weren't working uh, as well as they should. Um, but I realized if I spent time, um, in cold water, suddenly they'd feel better. Now, uh, you know, what I was doing before is I would just sort of jump into this icy pool in Ukraine, dunk a few times and get out. Now there's, there's method to the madness. Um, so, uh, yeah it's um it's called the wim hof method um you can find tons of it online um but the the guy behind it wim hof was was famous for years for doing these really odd um world records i think he has something like 35 world records or something most of which include cold stuff so he almost climbed to the summit of of everest in his shorts with no shirt on um spent almost two hours uh in an in an sort of ice box however you describe it they just sort of packed him up with ice and left him there um and somehow along the way um he realized that, that these methods were actually useful to address different um different health issues uh and it was initially mental health issues that um uh he was most interested in in spreading the word about um you know his his wife um killed herself, jumped jumped off a roof off the off the fifth floor of a building, I think something like 20 years ago. Um, and he was most interested in helping people who were depressed. Um, and you know anecdotally, uh, in my experience, I've never gotten out of a nice bath and felt anything but in a good mood. I've also never um, seen other people who were you know depressed when they initially get in, still feel depressed and they get out um there's a ton of medical studies going on now for the effects of um cold water immersion on, on depression and bipolar disorder um so i don't know the success of them but anecdotally within my own experience it's played a massive role in you know keeping keeping my mood up when i was facing some serious challenges
0: yeah i mean i um i've been having a lot of cold showers like they're nowhere near as cold as uh, ice you know ice lakes or baths or anything like that but I suffer from a lot of depression myself, but you're right. It's almost like when you're going through that very primitive, very natural, uh, you know, cold experience, your body hasn't got any an ounce of energy to put into negativity, put into anything else other than, you know, that sort of natural state of being in the elements. And it's just incredibly powerful when you come out of there, like this huge endorphin rush so i think it's just absolutely Mm. incredible and i have no idea how it works but it's amazing
1: yeah i mean you 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 do get that endorphin rush um i again I, i don't know all the sort of biology buzz phrases behind um what exact chemicals are going going through you um but you know the in a nutshell um you know we all have access to these um you know pre-existing systems in your body which can which can help you feel better um you know through some really basic things like like exercise and cold water immersion things that change your state because um being depressed being anxious um is also a, a physical state uh one that you can change uh, and that can have a massive impact on addressing the problem that that's causing you to feel that way because if you're depressed if you're anxious, if you're in pain, you need to get to the core reason why that's happening. And, you know, the catch 22 is if you're in that state, it's very hard to figure it out. Um, whereas a process like getting into an ice bath will give you a window of clarity. It might be short. Uh, in my experience, that that window keeps increasing. You keep getting longer and longer where you have um, periods of time of feeling extremely clear, not in pain or other people's cases, not depressed, not anxious. That will help you get to the root of the problem. Uh, you know, it might not do it alone. It, it may do, but um, you know, I can guarantee it'll give you a good shot at, at giving you um a new perspective on what it is you're dealing with.
0: because yeah, it's it is a phenomenal uh I don't know, phenomena. Like um I've been doing a lot of research into Wim Hof, uh, ever since I knew you were gonna come on the show. And um some of the studies on him is just incredible. Like he's the mm-hmm. only person to consciously be able to activate his immune system as in like he can trigger his body to react in like a defensive manner and everyone was like oh maybe he's just a freak of nature like he's a genetic you know so and so but he then got his like some of his followers to replicate exactly the same thing yeah yeah and i'm just like what this is like
1: superpower <laughs> like why don't we know yeah. more about this this is mental I know, I mean, well, you, you know yeah, exactly like you say, I mean he was um one of the one of the first people in modern modern times perhaps to do that, and now he has plenty of people that he that he teaches um but the the methods themselves are old i mean it, it's derived from uh Tibetan tumor breathing, which is uh an incredible technique. so you can see these amazing pictures, I think from 1950s, 1960s of i I think there were British travelers who went to uh Tibet. Um, And they saw these monks that were sitting outside in the snow in sort of minus 20, minus 30, and they were doing these breathing exercises and and the the snow was melting around them and their skin was very red, but they weren't frostbitten. They were warm and they would spend hours out there. Um, As far as I know, they continue to do that. Um, But now that there's, you know, medical studies being done, um, the, that breathing exercise, as well as exposure to the cold, has a massive effect on your immune system and also the, the alkalinity of your blood, as far as I know. Um, and, uh, you know, for them, it was a, a meditative process, uh, you know, spiritual technique. The, the Wim Hof sort of branding, as it were, is very cleverly designed for a modern Western audience who wouldn't be open to pursuing techniques like that from a from a spiritual angle, but it's exactly the same method.
0: Yeah, it's it's fascinating, and and you've actually met Wim Hof, and you've been away with him, haven't you?
1: Yeah, twice now. Um,
0: so yeah, cool. How? Did, when was that? Like, how'd that go down?
1: Well, so, um, you know, at, during the the peak of this disease was probably, you know, not not that long ago, probably April May of last year. Um, I was pumped up on opioids and even chemo meds and immunosuppressants, all this stuff. Um. And, you know, the the ice baths and the breathing were, were getting me through my exams or getting me through my degree, but I made a very conscious choice that um, that lifestyle wasn't sustainable, um, that I wanted to finish my degree on time. Um, I didn't want it to, you know, continue to have it weighing over me, but that taking all those medications and being in that level of pain and having that much sleep deprivation was just, you know, really dangerous. Um, so I decided, you know, after my exams... I'll try and party for a bit, you know, take a week off, but then I'm going to address this and I want to get off these medications. Um, So I went on a, I think it was 10 day trip to Spain, the Pyrenees with, with Wim. Um, I'd already met him before in London with, on like a day course. Um, But this, this trip was way more extreme than I thought it would be. Uh, On the first day we spent um, 10 minutes in, in an ice bath and his ice baths you know mostly are ice there's not much water in there it's sort of you're <laughs> caked in ice and you melt it a bit uh, and 10 minutes is a really long time yeah um, i can imagine you know i can now spend 20-25 minutes fully immersed and up to an hour just my legs um wow but the, for the first time of really doing it properly that was a big shock to the system but it was exactly what i needed um and yeah we just we just spent a week um doing what i'd describe as sort of memorable primal activities like you know we'd go on these huge long hikes barefoot um tracked around uh you know really nice can sort of canyoning barefoot no helmets climbing no ropes this kind of stuff um going into ice baths and it's impossible to feel in a bad mood or be in tons of pain on something like that um everyone who's dealing with with mental health issues even like bipolar disorder and manic depression they felt great that whole week um
0: that's incredible it's amazing how just something so natural and something we all pretty much have access to mm. that um can do so so much good and like it's just yeah it's it's mind-blowing but also like i don't know i sometimes have a, a big problem with when it comes to drug companies and stuff because yeah it's it's an easy fix like a lot of these drugs they're just Dull the symptoms; they don't actually treat the cause. But it sounds like this cold therapy in the Wim Hof method is really directly assessing the the issue itself.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the one of the turning points for me was I was speaking with this neurologist in London who came out with these awful ultimatums. So he said to me, um, "What you're facing," and I'll always remember these words: "Is you're facing a crippling disease." He said. Um, we can learn to manage it, but it's a crippling disease. I'm worried about your mobility. Um, I'm worried about your pain levels. Uh, you know, for a doctor to say that is just... Yeah, it must have destroyed it. Harrowing. Um, and I then, <laughs> I then asked, okay, how many of the medications I'm taking now are addressing this problem, you know, at, at root cause? And I was taking 17 different medications a day. And we worked out that it was two of them. Fifteen of them were for sort of peripheral symptoms, and you know the the collective side effects are enough to piss a bear off. Um, And you know it was was a great signal of like you know this is taking the wrong angle. Um, And you know so I was stuck in the situation where I thought you know how could I go from being an athletic guy, an active guy, a healthy guy, um, ambitious guy. Um, to someone who's told you know you're going to find it difficult to travel you're going to be in chronic pain for the rest of your life you're going to take all these medications for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and now I take no medication uh, I get to do all the things I wanted to do um, and it's through things which are inherently simple um, so you know I'm I, I can't possibly take the this debate um, by the horns on the medical angle or explain what goes on, on a yeah biological sure lab. sure um, but I would just encourage anyone out there who's dealing with a health problem to pursue what works, which is that, you know, when you're feeling vulnerable and there's someone in a position of authority who's got all these, uh, you know, PhDs behind them, whatever, saying this is how you fix the issue. Don't listen unless it works. Um, you know, don't don't deny any routes um, that make you feel better. You know, if if I taken all these pills and I felt fine and symptom free, then I would have been perfectly happy to continue down that route for the rest of my life. But you know, I was forced into other paths because it didn't work that well. Um, so it's it's really hard to get down to that simple level, but if you're addressing a problem, you should consider it fixed if if it's not bothering you anymore.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um,
0: yeah, it's just, it's just it's just mind-blowing that this is just, you know, how it's a very holistic way of treating any kind of disease. Um, so presumably you're still you know you're still doing ice baths like before we started this you told me you were jumping the freezer like <laughs>
1: so. <laughs> yeah so i have a freezer at my house um in my garden and i fill it with water and then turn the freezer on overnight and it gets this thick layer of ice over it and i crack it and i jump in
0: that's awesome and you do that like every day do
1: you uh, i used to it every day now realistically i probably do it two three times a week um my uh, elderly neighbor chloe um i'm, I'm worried i'm gonna Killer of a heart attack, which is- <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 great, and it, you know, I thought I'd jump in just before this because I wanted to remind myself of you know why why I do it and why I think other people should do it. Um, and critically, what I what I what I think it is that's most powerful for for anyone, you know, not not just people who want to address a problem in their life, is that it's a super primal experience to experience fight or flight mode and not listen which is that the first two minutes of an ice bath, you're in full, your body shouting at you, um, there's a problem, get out. And when you don't listen and you spend 10, 15 minutes, you feel in control, which is that your body's sending you a message and you're the one who can decide whether to listen to it or not. So whether that's pain, whether that's anxious, depressed thoughts, you're the one experiencing it. And there's a distinction between um, you and what you're experiencing, the observer and the observed um you know the the fact that you can separate yourself from the experience means that you're you know greater um greater than what it is you're experiencing apply that to any number of things in your life
0: yeah yeah like it's just it's a phenomenal form of like i'm a i'm a big fan of sort of spirituality and um like meditation and stuff but i find that when you experience so something so powerful such as, you know, a fight or flight response. Your consciousness and your physical body somehow align themselves and it's this sort of like you can't escape that all absorbing feeling of being in the current present moment. Mm. When you're under that kind of I wouldn't say stress, but that kind of like impact on yourself. And definitely uh, that clarity that you were talking about, I can completely understand. Not that I've experienced it myself, but I could, I can really grasp the idea of that alignment when everything is in the same current moment. Mm.
1: And you're a, you're a martial arts fan, right? I heard, heard on your last podcast, you jiu-jitsu and
0: yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've done like twelve years of kickboxing, and I've just started Brazilian okay. jiu-jitsu, and they're it, it, it all you know that sort of being really in touch with your body and in touch with yes. your, you know, that sort of it sounds really hippie, but that oneness that you achieve from physical movement as well as like this exposure to the elements, I think is so powerful. Uh modern society has got very comfortable just being on the sofa and very detached from, you know, what it means to be human.
1: For sure. I mean, you know, uh it's actually Thai boxing that I've now replaced all my physio with so. Oh, nice! Because you know you've got got to be stretchy and flexible, I guess, to kick someone in the head. Or yeah, yeah. But you know, you you'll know from twelve years of kickboxing what fight or flight mode is. You know what it's like to have an opponent in front of you, and there's there's no chance you're going to be you know thinking about exams or something when you're when you're doing that. Um, and and part of me thinks that you know because because meditation, which I'm a you know I practice practice that every day. Um, that's a you know very calming or can be a very calming experience um but something tells me as well that it's healthy to have that fright every now and then as well
0: um, oh definitely i completely agree know, with, with
1: that but you know that that's an that's another type of being in the present moment it's just you know that it's the other end of the spectrum but it goes to the same place
0: oh definitely i feel like um being freezing or uh, you know fighting or uh, flight or whatever your response is i think really engaging with that aspect of who you are because that's when your body almost completely takes over like your mind is completely removed entirely because your body is purely like survival and that is a real it's almost like a a meditation for your whole body um and it's and i think we in the in the west at least have really become very detached from that um and like going back to meditation and things i think that's why it's so important to meditate on your death because knowing you're going to die and knowing that that's an inevitable fate makes life so much more worth living and so much more raw and i think nothing depressing about that no (laughs) and like it's it's funny how like you people in today or western again think about death and it's like a it's a terrible fate no one ever wants to you know go that but when i mean obviously ice bath is you know not a direct bullet to the head that will kill you but and is you know getting close to an experience that could cause you some some you know long-term damage if you if you didn't you know listen to your body and completely accept the experience and so i feel like putting yourself in very uncomfortable environments like you know uh, in a muay thai fight or in an ice bath puts you more in touch with yourself than almost anything we could do in our day-to-day lives
1: yeah for sure and and like you said um western attitudes to to death and health are very similar um, very very negative and very far removed from reality why should you possibly be afraid of um, two things that are certainly in your life which is that you you will face um, physical and mental pain and you will face death um and you know even even the word death in in english you know we're, we're linguistically limited by these morbid words which are you know triggers for people to go oh that's horrible um and You know, I I fear that the same thing has has leaked into you know the deep set lifestyles of uh, Western hubs. Um, Something I found really interesting recently is uh, you know Jordan Peterson. Oh yeah, yeah. So he he's absolutely become this secular prophet, especially for men, because he talks about masculinity and and feminism so much. Um, I saw in an interview with him recently. He said, uh, I always advise my my clinical clients, you know, what a phrase as well, um, that they should try and identify with the transition period between states of mind. So even though they're feeling depressed now, they can most certainly uh, go back to another time in their life where they weren't feeling like that and recognize that the only thing that's real is the thing that's experienced both the positive time back then and the negative thing now so the only thing that you are is that transition between um, different states of mind different experiences in life now that's amazing advice Um, you know i I think it's the possibly the truest thing you can say which is that the, the human experience is a constant transition period and that's what meditation is in all its forms is to to recognize like i said before that distinction between the observer and the observed that things are happening to you you're thinking you're experiencing different things in life and Just by watching them, not necessarily enjoying them, but by watching them, that's the most meaningful thing you can do. Now, for a Western psychologist to say that is is super, but they just don't have the tools to offer to to show their patients how to do that. Now, you know, the term psychoanalysis, for example, has only been around since Freud. You know, he coined it in like 1896, and I think his interpretations of dreams book. Um, Meditation and Uh, mechanisms to understand human experience attitude towards the mind have been around we're talking sort of 1500 BC um in the east and you have to recognize that as you know one of the most incredible sources of wisdom for dealing with human experience and dealing with the mind one that's uh you know in my opinion um offers far more wisdom than the simple you know western psychoanalytic um approach
0: oh definitely like um I feel like yes in the west we have a lot of technology and you know we have we're at the forefront of science in a lot of ways but I think we've become very reliant on that and that's been the forefront of all our knowledge where you know western cultures are you know you could argue less developed in certain aspects but often as a result, you have to look more inward because of you have less tangible things surrounding you, um, and I find it interesting. I remember there's a there's a monk at the uh, Zen school like in uni uh, called S- Sister Jin Ho. And, there's a Zen uh,
1: school at Bristol.
0: Yeah, it's like a multi faith chaplain like place, but it's okay. um, yeah yeah. So me, that's how me and ollie foster um sort of really got involved in meditation and things and yeah. she um she has really really interesting views on life and she was saying that in the east because you know there isn't medicine and uh and like surgery and things you know as commonly available uh and so you see like they you're often a lot more in touch with death because you might see like a a dying animal or whatever like more than we do in the west like i i haven't seen a dead animal all year i don't think and yeah and so you're very much out of touch with the with with death as a concept and it becomes much more of a an anxious thought or feeling rather than a knowing uh and you know maybe i've been reading too much alan watts and O'Shea and that but i definitely feel like the uh the Wim Hof method is very much more in line with attaining this sort of, not necessarily knowledge, but this sort of feeling of of acceptance?
1: Yes, exactly. Because a lot of people say to me, um, oh, it's so hardcore that you sit in the ice, or you go swimming in ice water. Um, now, yes. the most incredible teachers and um, people who practice Wim Hof method that, that I've come across uh, I, th- I think it's pretty similar to, to, you know, with martial arts as well. Are not these massive alpha male like characters? Um, they're extremely humble, um, mindful people, and that's because if you, if you really want to endure uh, the cold, or and I think this is applicable to loads of physical and mental challenges. Um, it's it's very much not about battling with yourself, but accepting. Um, accepting the experience which is that if I say oh no I wish I was warm um, and you know my body tenses and I begin to uh, breathe more heavily and get a big adrenaline rush that's what stops you staying longer that's what stops you from um, really getting all those anti-inflammatory benefits Um, it's a big process of accepting um, you know the the limitations uh, of your body which is that you know given certain stimuli you know whether it be cold or whether it be another challenge you face in your life there's a certain amount you can tr- control and a certain amount that you can't
0: yeah definitely I am um, yeah I definitely see that in uh, martial arts like you were saying where I always was most intimidated by the people I had to fight were those who are cool calm and collected and completely Just themselves. The guys who are bashing their hands together and jumping up and down, trying to puff their chests up, and you're like, you're not scary because you're trying to hide something. You know, like the guys who are content and, as you say, accepting of themselves and everything going on around them, almost have nothing to lose because they sort of, what will be will be. And as a result, they're the most lethal. And I feel like that sort of mentality, when you apply that to coming over challenges or being exposed to cold elements really teaches this mentality to you and it's almost like as we're seeing with uh you know the your immunity to diseases and things it's almost like your body knows that somehow and it's a weird connection between mind and body that i like your analogy of you know mental health issues and physical ailments being one and the same because it it makes a lot more sense it's a lot more holistic why would you ever treat someone for, I know, an issue in this regard, in like one part of their body where you should treat the whole person as a, as a whole organism?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think it's probably come across that I'm super critical of Western medicine. I'm, I'm not at all. You know, it's it's just that I think people should pursue um, whatever works for them. And they should also recognize um, the certain limitations of uh, the advice that they're getting, you know, depending on its context. Um, you know, which is that if you go to a spinal surgeon, they're probably going to recommend spine surgery, um, as opposed to meditation, for example. Um, but something, you know, just to make a one more jab, um, that I do find re- repeatedly confusing is, uh, if you, if you look at how a, a Western medical, um, uh, what do you call the medical trial, um, how they take place, they always have these placebo controls, right? Yeah. Um, so they'll inject, uh, I don't know, a patient with, with one thing and they'll give, um, you know, which actually contains the substance of the testing. And then they might just give a saline injection to someone else. Um, and they'll say something like, well, it was only as effective as a placebo or the placebo was, was, was more effective. You know, we injected them a saline and they got better anyway. It's just a placebo. It's the, it's a phrase you keep hearing. That's the magic. You want to be leveraging that mm-hmm. as much as you can which is, which is it's, an, it's not a placebo, it's called will, which is that if you get humans into a situation where they believe that the thing that they're doing is getting them better, tons of evidence shows consistently that they will. Um, so you, there's nothing stupid about it. There's nothing unscientific about it as you want to think, what mechanisms can I use in my life to, to make me access the, the power of my own will? Um, and anyone who says, this is how you do it, that's where you've got to run away because you think there's not one way everybody's different. Um, everyone can access, um, you know, the power of their own will in different, different ways. And actually it sounds like such a corny phrase when when I actually say it. Um, but you know, you, you just, you, you can actually see it with people who recover, um, outside of traditional medical routes, which is that they've, they've tapped into stuff that fits with their own personality, makes them happy, makes them feel good. Um, if you then try and make a blueprint for that and shove it on someone else, it probably won't work. Takes a lot more planning, takes a lot more thinking and, and someone frankly you know, engaging with their own mind and body. Um, and the process to do that, like I was saying before, if you wanted to listen to Jordan Peterson's advice of, you know, identifying with states of transition, give them the tools to do that. Don't just say that's a good idea. That sounds super academic to me, you know, teach them how to do meditation or yoga or exercise breathing techniques. All of those things are um, you know, incredible sources of wisdom that um, you know we we often lack access to. Oh, definitely! And
0: I think that again highlights the difference between uh, very Western and Eastern approaches to health. Is that sort of uh, sort of meditation and holistic seeing of the body is just. Far more accepted and ingrained at such a young age in the western uh, culture and here um, western sorry the eastern culture um, and here in the west we uh, w- i mean I've, I've never encouraged to meditate until i sort of started looking into it myself where it's you know you see massive groups of uh, tai chi um, in parks and things and you're just like oh in in the east and you think we're, that's very much missing. Like we're we're very disassociated with with what it means to be human, what it means to be active and alive. And I feel like this is a lot more of appreciation. And maybe I'm just you know generalising massively here, but it is quite interesting that. So again, I've been reading so much Alan Watts lately. It's ridiculous, but he's one of the only.
1: Tell me, about, tell me about him. I haven't haven't come across him. So
0: he's a uh, Western philosopher who basically didn't really come up with much of himself he just translated eastern philosophy in a western uh to a western audience and as a result uh incredibly interesting like he's a very very smart man very well read on um you know physics and uh, mathematics and uh, just science in general yet applies the zen philosophy from eastern cultures in a scientific sort of logical way, which makes translation to sort of a Western society quite a lot more straightforward because it it almost Mm -hmm. speaks our language a bit, you know, easier. Um, And I think initially, I remember when I was getting into meditation and things, oh, this is very hippie, this is very... But I knew that, like, looking back now, I'm like, actually, that was very much sort of the label that my culture has already presumed you know and it's not it's not actually how things are when you actually take a step forward and give it a go it is a whole new whole new side to it
1: yeah and and context is is so important which is that you can't just wa- uh, map on uh, eastern traditions straight onto the western world you know that's that's equally as as ignorant a process would you know for example when i see meditation centers in London, for example, um, and they they look deeply Asian. And I think, you know, that resonates with me a ton because of my own heritage and whether and where I grew up. But you know, for for someone who's um, you know, brought, brought up in London, perhaps never left the UK, how on earth is that gonna resonate with them? You know, it might sometimes be useful that to exoticize something makes you think, oh, that's special, that's interesting, that's cool, that's shiny. Um, and that's, you know, that's perfectly legit. Um but the most important thing is you make people feel comfortable and interested. Uh, yeah, that,
0: definitely. yeah,
1: definitely. You know, often they're, they're tapping into this uh, Orientalist approach where, um, yeah, they, they, they make Eastern traditions seem kind of mysterious um, and you know, hippie, hippies are where to use. That's very, very common. Um, when actually you want to show people these are concrete tools that you can use to um, increase your productivity. Better what you do make you have more fulfilling days. You know, for example, doing the Wim Hof breathing technique. You know, which, crudely speaking, is just thirty deep diaphragmatic breaths followed by holding your breath as long as you can and repeat. Um, doing that before you get up in the morning, you know, before you pick up your phone, whatever, can massively impact your general satisfaction. Um, that's a Western, you know, that that's Tibetan tumor breathing. Nothing Western about it, but very easily incorporated into, um, you know, even the most um, Western of lifestyles, like you know, working, um, working the city, for example.
0: Yeah, it, it's definitely very interesting. Like I, um, I like to surround myself with as many different sort of, I don't know, spiritual leaders, I guess you could call them. But there's a lot of different influences out there who have are slowly sort of. As you were saying, like translating this sort of Eastern philosophy, and and just sort of rebranding it. Like um, I'm a big fan of Vido Portal, the uh, movement culture sort of leader, and he talks about um, sort of hand balancing and using your body to move in all kinds of ways. But what he's getting at, and a lot of it, is just about that sort of oneness about feeling yourself and just doing what you enjoy and getting a lot of enjoyment out of moving your body that isn't a isn't a sport isn't you know anything that westerners have labeled in any way this is very much just enjoying being a human and I think you get people like um Elliot Hulse and all these YouTube sort of you know be the strongest version of yourself but they've just taken as you've said very traditional arts that are te- time proven and applied it to the real world like Tony Robbins is another example of mm. uh, you know someone I just
1: watched, um documentary literally yesterday that I'm I'm not oh, your guru. so
0: good so so good yeah and again that's just an example of you know someone who's taken the philosophy of you know accepting yourself and rising above trauma by you know learning to love yourself and in in a in a more spiritual manner than you know i don't know get prescribing prescribe yourself antidepressants or something like that and i think it is it is like a the human it's a way of humans just need to unlock this sort of potential that i think we've neglected for a very long time
1: definitely and you know with those tony robbins events like um it certainly doesn't resonate with with tons of people you see uh, it's kind of like a concert, you know, he, he works with Pitbull. Uh, I know like often he puts put, um, Pitbull on stage um, <laughs> playing, playing some random hit and there's loads of flashing lights. Um, he actually works with Wim Hof every now and again as well. All yeah, right, um, cool. It's cool. Bars. But, you know, the, the point being is those, those guys understand what it's like to try and get someone who doesn't, who hasn't been interested in self-reflection, self-awareness before. Um, out of that cognitive state of mind where, you know, that's the state of mind where you're planning, thinking, analyzing. Um, there's tons of people out there who haven't experienced anything aside from that, at least they're not aware of it. You know, they don't realize that when they're at a gig and they're having an amazing time, they're listening to the music and the lights are flashing, but that's a totally different state mm,
0: definitely, um, yeah.
1: to, um, you know, being at work. And that um, there's other cultures out there which know very well that it's not healthy to stay in a cognitive state of mind all of the time. You know, if you're going to work and doing tons of emails and then try and go to sleep straight away, you know, can't park a car at 40 miles an hour, <laughs> um, you know, and they're, they're surprised they don't sleep well. Um, you know, it's so interesting and exciting to experience life um, outside of that purely cognitive state. Um, I don't know. You know, it's it's so annoying, but you know, English literally doesn't have the language to to describe what those other states really are. You know, you can say dreamscape, or you can say subconscious, for example. Often ends up getting sort of Freudian or hippie like Um, But the point is, you know, my biggest message to people would be that it's it's so fascinating to see um, what it's like to experience the world um, in another way. And I think that's why people take you know drugs so often is is because you know, they they have this deep urge to have a different human experience and they think that's the only way. But actually, you know, from things which are inherently healthy, like breathing exercises, like experiencing the cold, like doing martial arts, um, you can have these amazing experiences which are totally non-cognitive. I mean, one that really sticks out for me was um, one of the Wim Hof expeditions I did that wasn't with Wim, it was with another teacher. Um, we usually uh three breathing rounds with Wim Hof technique takes sort of 10 minutes or something like that we did all that sort of power breathing for like an hour um and after an hour of breathing that deeply again biologically speaking i don't really know what's going on inside from you, you must be pumped full of oxygen
0: yeah yeah uh,
1: but i started having um you know i i i don't want to call them hallucinations that sounds negative but i felt like i could see my subconscious in the sense of you know the stuff i was thinking i could see it like i was in a dream you know it was like like a dream no way um which was amazing <laughs> yeah i can not like it's you know and, and again we don't have healthy terminologies for that experience you know do you want to call it being high do you want to call it hallucination i don't know um but the point is that there's you know different different world out there and you can find um loads of different techniques to to access that kind of experience that are super healthy and not not negative at all
0: yeah i think I think we're uh, at a pretty exciting time as well because i think uh I, I maybe it's just my perspective of life but i definitely feel like these trains of thoughts and this sort of approach to life is getting more accepted in uh oh, in yeah, the western sure. world it's so good. like i mean it's part the one of the main motivations behind this podcast was to explore different people's lives, different avenues, different ways of thinking, different ways of living life. And then I did the uh, the brain dump um like group in order for people to, to discuss these these topics and stuff. Oh and, uh, you've got a you got a Facebook group? Yeah, just like a way to, for, you know, like minded people like yourself to to get on there and discuss different avenues. And it's a way of, you know, taking sort of interesting or, you know, or and sometimes you know, not so in like almost negative things, but allowing a platform for people to discuss it because this exploration of of what it means to be a human and what it means to live this life is is a shared experience, and I think it offers so much. Uh, but this just is sort of is a, just a Western platform in which it's sort of acceptable to do that.
1: Yeah, and it's you know it's so cool what you're doing because there's you know there's an unlimited um need to to discuss it in different ways and you know i think we were saying before like you know particularly in the university con- context um there's you know at least the growing evidence to show that the the health crisis particularly amongst young people um and uh especially within universities is is it's really terrifying um You know, at at Oxbridge, for example, I know the statistics there that it's you know above above fifty percent of students um, say that they had a mental health crisis while they're at university, Um, and there's just not enough thought going into what created that environment. Um, And I think there's big there's a big emphasis upon individuals to um, you know address address why they're feeling a certain way, but not enough of a macro view of what environment are we creating that's making young people feel that way um i I, I mean i guess that played a factor in why you were interested in making a podcast like this in the first place is you were seeing things that people needed to talk about right yeah well
0: i mean i had a bit of a crisis myself i uh tried to take my own life like um, in my first year of uni um and
1: so you're doing, doing this oh well
0: it's partly why yeah. you know like when you you're confronted with an event like that and it's a it's almost a deep contrast where your life is absolutely miserable you want to end it and then you fail and there's suddenly it's like a second chance and it sounds so cheesy in that but i almost feel like it's a bit of a blessing and um i've read uh uh, Russell Brand's recovery and he talks about how actually being a drug addict was a blessing in disguise because it allowed him to seek alternatives because his life was so miserable that he had to change it in order to keep going yeah and I, yeah. And, I and it's almost like the same with you with your your diseases and your autoimmune and the back pain and you wanted to do anything to change it and so you've you've reached out and and you've made those changes and i i was the same with uh my depression and i'm so much better than i've ever been purely by seeking alternative routes it's just a shame that we have to get that bad in order to you know accept anything else
1: yeah yeah exactly i mean like you know what's so clear about you for example is that you've grown out of the experience and you've got um you know, serious message to send out, which is that you know, just by being here, that's you know, not I don't mean on the podcast, but you know, just by being alive and living, living your life, that's a message to others that they they can as well, right? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. And you know, ultimately, people who have had super dark experiences, you know, whether it if we go back to that spectrum of negative experiences, uh, you know, mental, mental or physical, even though they always cross over, um, if you've hit a super dark place um you can feel the intense power of your mind and your body that it can bring you that low um but it's it's also something kind of impressive about it you think like wow this is an energy um and if it can bring you that low it can equally go in the other direction um and you know people who've recovered from you know crisis like you had um shows exactly that which is that once you've tapped into that seriously dark place um you can you can see the power of your own will and what happens when it's no longer there when you no longer have access to it and what what happens when you feel more in touch with it
0: oh definitely i also think it gives you this incredible power to uh, empathize with others it gives you uh, sure. when you yeah. when you've experienced a lows and highs so strong in yourself it almost allows you that ability to translate that to someone else and mm. i find that Anyone else who I've been trying to help with their own mental illness or whatever they're going through, it's often those going through crisis that I feel are very in touch with that sort of that side to them. And I and again, it's it's like a it's like you're saying there's not words in the Western language to be able to label what this entity is, but is a is a shared aspect to all of us that we we have and a lot of us are out of touch with but when you reignite that within yourself it it does it, it feels like that's what life is meant for you know
1: yeah and you know if something if something crap has happened to you you know whether it be a something totally external you know car crash or you know something else like a like a disease or a mental health crisis um, if you get through it ultimately you've got a badass story to tell um it'll force you into (laughs) interesting weird places and you'll you know you'll you'll always be a phenomenon um you know so people out there who feel that they're nothing you know they they feel depressed because they you know typically it will be that they have low there'll always be an aspect of low self-esteem if you're feeling if you're feeling depressed um coming out of that always make you a phenomenon and experiencing it in the first place makes you a phenomenon because it puts you in a unique position like you said to to empathize with everyone out there who's about to or currently experiencing that as well
0: yeah definitely it's um it's, it's it is a very it's a trying time because i feel like we're very much it's like we've got blinkers on and people are chasing money people are chasing you know fame and that's That's cool, like whatever makes you happy kind of thing, but there's so much more to life that has a lot more meaning to it. And when it comes to Eckhart Tolle, Osho, Tony Robbins, me and uh, Ollie Foster were discussing, it's very much a sliding scale between the philosophies. And you can function in both a Western and Eastern culture by adapting how you approach things, and I think it's there's absolutely no problem with you know functioning in a in a western culture, but also being in touch with these Eastern philosophies and being more you know ingrained in yourself and I think that's that's a healthy way of living
1: yeah for sure um question for you would be um did, did, did you feel for example that the the university environment at the time you know when you're feeling you know at the, at the peak of that crisis yeah. Yeah. made it harder to tap into the, the things that you needed
0: uh I'd say so I mean I biology is a hard subject and naturally I was like very swamped but I felt more isolated in the fact that I didn't I don't know I didn't really trust people and there was a lot of young people all wanting to you know just make a name for themselves and sort of there's these high-flying egos about it do, yeah, yeah it's got you know you got to be identified as as doing something or you know whatever yeah, yeah. and I just think as as I've progressed through this I realized that that though my own ego of trying to be something was what was so toxic and put so much negativity in that I wasn't good enough and all these things that I don't necessarily think it was like uni in particular. I think university was a, you know, a concentration of a lot of people, my age all trying to do the same thing that accelerated that. But I think it was, you know, this whole, you know, just society and not, I, I blame society and I say society a lot, but it's difficult to, to label this sort of way of thinking that we have. And, I was very much in with that way of thinking and it just drove me to a point that obviously I didn't want to live anymore. Um, Mm. But then again, you know, that slap in the face, that wake up call of, wow, this is my second chance. I need to change things about this. Um, And yeah, it, it just happened that university definitely accelerated that. I feel like the, the uh i don't know the support networks are quite weak um and it's very easy to feel very isolated
1: and and boring and not integrated with oh no every, yeah it's
0: like it's funny how i love biology and i'm you know i pursue it a lot but what i've realized is i'm interested in so much more so much more like doing essays and lots of work on evolution and stuff is like yeah it's interesting but it's also to the point that it's a bit sadistic and I think it sucks the enjoyment out of learning and that's not what university should be about. Like, you know, this is what it is all about is is learning about each other and life and a whole range of things, yet it, mm. we make it so clinical at university and I think we make it clinical in the workplace as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, going, going back to my time at about- that, um, Buddhist, Buddhist school in Japan. I mean, I, rem- I remember a lesson. Uh, it was it was called a nature class, and for the entire day, when we were like four years old, he said, "Your your task is to look at the turtles in the in the park." Um, and at the end of the day, um, you have got to come back and tell me how did the turtle look? How did the turtle make you feel? <laughs> how do you think the turtle was feeling? Um, and you know, it's, it sounds so stupid, but those were really elemental processes of, of teaching kids mindfulness and also empathy um and to an extent you know that that continue you know even even though it doesn't happen as consciously in the west you know it, it is a part of the education um and it's more likely to continue um while you're at school but the moment you hit university it's it's clinical education um in the sense of you are nothing more than your exams to uh, you know at, at the end of your um three, four years, you're you're a two one, you're a first, uh, you've done your modules or whatever, highly exam based. Um and of course that's gonna create a competitive environment. I mean, actually even earlier than that, you know, kids are taking exams like seven, eight years old now in the UK. And I, I still find that so shocking. Like that that was one of the biggest cultural shocks to me moving here was was having that exam driven education all of the time. Um, I think that must play a massive role in in people's self esteem and how how they think you learn as well, which is that there's always always an objective way of assessing whether whether you've done a good job or not
0: yeah, definitely I feel like um the way I see it is it's like i say like a a vitamin C tablet, like vitamin C we all know is very good for you and it's great for your diet, but what's better for your health overall is just a whole whole food sort of getting all your vitamins from natural food substances and it feels like our education has gone from learning about the wider world and learning about ourselves to super concentrating our education into a vitamin c tablet where it's exams that's all that matters and you and it sounds i mean maybe that's a stupid analogy but it feels like it's very much taking a single trait and Magnifying that and making that the most important aspect of what should be a more well rounded education system.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when it came to, you know, I'm not sure if it's the case um, with you, but I've come across tons of people where it's at the point of a crisis where they decide to pursue things that are good for their health. Um, and there's a ton of learning involved in that. It's not as if, you know, behavioral change is super tough. Um, the most Basic ones, um, change, changing your habits is, you know, there's a complex process to really get that to work. Um, and if the learning begins at a low point, that's that's pretty tough. Um, you know, the 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 time to be thinking about um, meditation and exercise and self-reflection and so on, you know, shouldn't be when you've lost the will to live, um, or you know, you're at the the peak of a a crisis with a with an illness um you know if it happened before in like a happier context um you know you're, you're talking about death earlier you know for example tons of different buddhist texts suggest that you meditate on death when you're feeling your most positive you know that that's what makes sense that's what gives you the tools to to deal with things when when it gets tough
0: yeah it'd certainly be a smoother ride that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah i'm sorry i've been ranting i don't I don't know if i've uh... no
0: it's great i love this is what it you know this is what it's all about um but yeah so before we wrap up like how would someone want to integrate the wim hof method into their life on a sort of daily basis
1: well there there's um there is a online learning um program and an app as well the app is really good there's, there's loads of free stuff both on the wim hof website and and the Wim Hof app um, the there's a 10-week course even though there's free stuff you can do and, the, and there are some YouTube videos um, even though there are tons of free angles you can pursue I, I think an important aspect of it is also you know paying for a course for example you know whether it is you do a day course or the 10-week online one um, you know you can only derive value from something if there's some some kind of sacrifice so I think there is a there is a role to play in, in, in buying it and I'd definitely plug that um because it made such a big difference in my life um but in the end there's only three aspects to um to the wim hof method um three pillars they call it which is breathing mindset and and cold which is the breathing exercise you can learn about that um really quickly um you don't need a ton of training um mindset which is that if you decide to do the breathing or if you decide to go in the cold your absolute intention is to do it um and then, yeah, cold exposure, which can happen in loads of different ways. I mean, you know, like you said, you started having cold showers, you know, just jump in, start it. Um, I personally find cold showers really hard because it's not immersive, like, you know, some parts of your yeah. skin that is warm, it feels kind of weird. Um, so normally what I like to do is, you know, I've, I've got a freezer now because I'm a nut job, but you can, you, can, <laughs> <laughs> you can just run a cold bath, you know, especially now that it's winter, um, you know, and hop in and expect to feel your body through everything it's got at you to, to tell you to get out um and you know the the role there is just to breathe um uh i personally like to um you know put my hands just above my diaphragm that that's where it feels really warm and i just focus on um the warmth there and you can just keep increasing the time and you'll you'll typically find that you'll feel extremely focused um pain symptoms relates to a lot of inflammation or joint problems or you know muscular injuries you might have picked up, those typically will subside a bit for a while. Um but uh yeah I mean people find different ways of approaching it. There's also some people who just go for a walk without a coat on. Um, I know that sounds super boring, but you know that that can that can really wake you up and there's also another thing that they suggest. You know, we on the trips we do hikes where we hike for three, four hours or tops off in the snow sometimes um but again you can replicate that in a city just wear a t-shirt go outside i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna give all your listeners hypothermia now (laughs) yeah
0: they'll be like what on earth
1: (laughs) yeah but i'm 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 probably the least articulate um person out there to to describe how to get involved with it all i'd say is that you know i'm a success story for it and you'll you'll find someone who resonates with you it might not be my mouth it'll be something else but you know if i only get one message across it would be to you know pursue what works for you and don't don't always listen to people in a position of authority when you're feeling vulnerable
0: well ollie i mean your story has been incredible so thank you so much for coming on no, and you're, sharing
1: you're, it. You're, I'm, I'm really grateful for chatting with you
0: all right well thank you very much so yeah cheers take it easy mate
1: thanks man